Turn to Malachi in your Bibles. Man, it's good to see everybody and be back with you again this conference. I, I can just see that work. I know that church. I sat in that building. It didn't look the same as uh, when you, but I sat in it years and years ago. And I can see with the eye of faith everything you are sharing right now. And I can see those girls being an integral part of it. And what a beautiful family. And I want to tell you, I want to be a part of that too. I don't know how that's going to work with our church too. Uh, but I'll tell you more about my story uh, tomorrow. Here's the dream for me, that God would move in such an unusual way tonight that half of you would go home this evening and call three or four friends and say, look, you can't miss this conference. God is at work uh, at uh, Jackson Creek. Uh, Jason and, and, and Mike and, and John and Chad and, and um, Clint and, and uh, Ben, <clears throat> I want to tell you, and everybody else, I feel very honored to be able to be a part of this with these missionaries, and it's a blessing to be here. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of your son Jesus, we have asked and we by faith believe that you're going to allow this church to go beyond its borders. In addition to that, in Malachi chapter 1, we are going to believe you for that passage where you said in your word that I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered in the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And Lord, we love you tonight. And we can, by faith, already see what you're about to do in Costa Rica, what you're already doing there, what you're planning to do in the future. We know you love those people more than we do. And we want, we're asking you to let us in on what you're planning to do in the future and then be a part of that with the Bramers. Lord, the same for Brazil and the same for Arkansas and the same for every work this church is a part of. Lord, lift our eyes beyond the cares of this world for a little while and we may we get a glimpse of thee in these days, and revive us, I pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, I asked the pastor what our theme was, and uh, you all know it, but look at verse 5, Malachi chapter 1 and verse 5, and your eyes shall see, and you shall say, the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. Uh, The beyond our borders, I, I did a little meditation on this passage, and I asked the Lord to give me a little word out of it, and he did. And so I want to share with you and preach a little bit on before the promise. Before you're ever going to go beyond your borders, somebody has to get a little uh, reviving going on in your heart. You're going to have to be stirred and encouraged. Uh, You're going to have to see Jesus. Nothing will allow you to go on a missions trip. You're not going to do it. You're not going to give and and out of your heart and out of your out of your uh, passion, you're not going to do it. You're not going to pray for these missionaries and be a part of world evangelization until God shows up in your life. You, it won't be sustained anyway. I mean, you might do for a week or so during the conference, you'll come and, oh, you'll be all excited. But two weeks later, you say, what was that we did over at the church and that chubby little guy came uh, for our conference? So what I feel led to do is preach a little bit on this subject out of this passage uh, before the promise. I'm reading a new book. I read part of it on the airplane on the way here. Uh, David Platt has written a book after an experience of traveling to the Himalayas on a hiking trip. It's called Something Has Got to Change. And I cried part of the way from Raleigh-Durham here in the air. Uh, I got excited uh, part of the time. And I want to recommend that, that book to you as far as giving you a burden for missions. Can I tell you one little story that I read today? David and his friends and someone uh, cataloging it with a video camera and, and, a, and, a, and pictures uh, were, were catching it. They were walking up in these high elevations among the poorest of the poor. 
the saddest situations. There, there's a need for hope in the gospel more than anything else. There's, there's a need for food and basic medications. It's the most impoverished people, David said, he had ever really come across. And they're coming up the hill, and as they are, a man's coming, and he's holding uh, his child, a little boy, and he's carrying him down. The man's name is Sijan, and his, his son's name is Amir. And he's, and he's walking uh, down the hill, taking him to try to find some place where he can get some help. The problem that has already brought death to his family is cholera. Something very simple that if the right kind of hydration or the right kind of water was provided without the problems, um, then it wouldn't be an issue. Two of his three children have already died. And out of great desperation with no hope, his wife has taken her life. All he has is that little boy, and he's got him in his arms, and he's taking him down the hill to try to get some help. Here's a young boy and a dad that has never heard the name of Jesus. As he told that story, I thought about how many people all over the world in those uh, unreached and, and little-reached uh, parts of, uh, of Brazil and, and, and parts all over the world where people have never heard the gospel. And not only do they need the gospel, they need help. And we get to live in Disneyland in the world. This this country is a, is a Disneyland kind of an experience. You don't see yourself as the wealthiest of the wealthy, but you are. And God has something to say to us during these days. And before the promise, uh, I, just, I love the Word of God. If you love the Bible, say amen one time. I, just, I love the Word of God, and I love getting a word from God. I've never preached this message I'm about to, uh, to preach to you tonight. And I've I got a fresh word I want to share with you. You know, if you're a student of the Bible, you know there are a couple of Greek words for the, for the word, the word W-O-R-D. One is logos, important. All of the Bible is <clears throat> logos, words on a page. But then there's that, my favorite word, and <clears throat> this is, I get accused of being just a wee bit Pentecostal when I say this. But the second word is rhema. It's when God speaks. When the, when, the, when the truth leaps off the page to your heart. It's almost like a challenge. You know what I'm talking about? When you're reading God's Word and God speaks to you and gives you a truth that you know this could be life-changing for me. It may be a challenge. It may be a rebuke. But it's a truth from God. Well, here are God's people who have been stirred in the past. They have been blessed. They've been revived. They've left their captivity. And they've returned from captivity. They've rebuilt the temple. They restored the worship, and then something happened. They fell back into their dryness and their coldness and their death all over again. Now, before God can do what verse 5 says, before He can enlarge them, before He can allow them to go beyond their borders and the influence of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the influence of the gospel, before that can happen, some things must take place, several of them, let me show you a few of them in the Word of God. Number one, the first thing that must happen is they must repent of sin. Must repent of sin. Would you look at verse 1? The burden of the Word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I want you to notice this recurring statement. God says to Israel, I have loved you, saith the Lord. And I want you to listen to their response. Their response, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved? Lord, it doesn't feel like you love us. And I, I know there are times in our life, and this here again, this American thinking and culture has made us believe if we're going through the fire, then God must not love us. Can I just go ahead and tell you something? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. 
That's, that doesn't make any sense at all. If you read the letters of Paul, you'll find that not one time does he ask God to take them out of challenge. He says, God, give us grace that we sang about a little while ago to face what you're bringing us through. And, and so looking at, looking at this, God says, I love you. And listen to their response. Wherein have you loved us? Look down to verse, um, verse 6. A son honoreth his father. And a servant is master, God said, if I be a father, listen to the, the sadness in God's voice, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests? Can I say a word to your leadership? <clears throat> I love every one of you. I know you. Uh, you're my friends. And I preach this to me. Missionaries, I'm going to say this to you. Look here. I'm talking about leadership. He says, I have something to say to the leadership. He said, O priest that despise my name. And ye say, listen to their response. Here it is again. Wherein have we despised thy name? Do you see it? Right there in your Bible. Wherein hast thou loved us? Wherein have we despised thy name? And then God speaks again in verse 7. You offer polluted bread upon mine altar. Hey, you're not giving me your best. And listen to what they say. Verse uh, 7. Wherein have we polluted thee? Do you hear? Is anybody else hearing the apathy? In the heart of God's people. Look here, we're living in the most apathetic, entitled generation there ever has been. God has been so good to us, and yet we stand back and say, What do you mean? I don't feel you loving me. And, and God, I, I've not despised your name, and, and I've not polluted your altar. And God had just said that we did. Listen to verse uh, the latter part of verse 7. In that you say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And you offer the blind for sacrifice. Is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, look here, when they were to bring a sacrifice, they were supposed to bring their best. They weren't supposed to bring those animals that were lame or sick or, or spotted. They were to bring their best. Let me tell you, when I'm honest, if I'm very honest, a lot of times God doesn't get my best. Sometimes God doesn't get my best in preparation. Sometimes God doesn't get my best when it comes to my substance and my resources. Sometimes God doesn't get my best when it comes to the gifts that He's given to me. That's why I'm so proud of these church planters. They go to crazy places like service stations in the middle of Arkansas and believe that God is big enough to allow them to preach the gospel in a town like that and win people and develop them for the cause of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet, yet, he says, this is where we are. We're talking about getting right with God and repenting of sin. Come down to verse, uh, let, me rush, let me rush just a couple of other spots when we see the sin. Look at chapter 2 and verse, have I been to number 3? Look at number four, the fourth time this occurs. Lord, help me see it now. You ought to be, have enough light up here to see it. I, there it is, right there. Look at verse 13. Look at verse 13 to chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 13. God speaking again. He said, and this ye have done again covering the altar of the Lord with tears and with weeping and crying out insomuch that he regardeth not the offering anymore. You know what God said? You've come to church so much. You've, you've gone through the motions. You've cried a little bit and prayed a little bit and come to the altar. Listen to what he says. Yet ye say, he says, look, I, I, I'm tired of it. I, I don't even want to receive it at your hand because it's not real. And God said in verse 14, or they say back to him, yet ye say, wherefore? What do you mean, God? I, I'm, I'm, I'm in good shape. I'm, I'm doing, in fact, I'm at church on Wednesday night at quarter to eight. I, good night. Don't you know, God, I've given you everything, and, and here I've made all these sacrifices. Look down a little bit further in verse 17. The Lord said, You've wearied 
the Lord with your words. Yet ye say, here it is again, wherein have we wearied thee? We're at number five right now. Let's look at a couple more real quick, and then I'm going to get something a lot better and a lot happier right now. You're starting to get a little convicted right now, aren't you? It's getting quiet, getting quiet in the Baptist church. Look at verse, uh, look at verse 7. Even from the days of your fathers. Did you know something? God sometimes will make us mad before he makes us glad. If you believe that, say amen. Israel's going to experience that. You know what Richard Owen Roberts said, that old crusty revival preacher, 90-some years old, still living? Illinois boy, too. He lives across from, uh, from Wheaton College. He says some folks would rather make God mad than to make people mad. I'd rather make people mad. I'm not making God mad this week. I'm going to preach what he says. And don't worry, I'm going to get to something happy in a minute. But look at, look at verse 7. Even from the days of your fathers, he said, you've gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, listen to their words, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? That's number 6. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, look at this, wherein have we robbed thee? God, I've given you... Good night. How much? What all do you want? I've been good. I, I'm, I'm a faithful in the church, and I, I've done my part. I'm talking about repentance of sin. These were their sins. If these are not the ones God's speaking to you about through the Holy Spirit tonight, I want you to know something. He's a whole lot better preacher than me. He's letting you in on what you need to get right, so we can go beyond our borders. You know what the big picture is? The big picture is the gospel, and it's way bigger than my little pet sin. Look at verse 16. Well, no, verse 13. Your words have been stout against me. Chapter 3, verse 13. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, what have we spoken so much against thee? I don't like sarcasm. I tend to be sarcastic occasionally. And I, but when our kids were growing up, do y'all remember this? About teenage years especially. Why? Like, Why? I mean, uh, and roll their eyes. Don't. Oh, I hated it when they rolled their eyes at us. I thought I must be the stupidest man ever that ever lived when our son was about 17 years old. Honestly, he, he hurt my feelings so bad. All that sarcasm. And I hear this in the people. God says he's identifying their issues. You know why he's identifying them? Because he wants them to get through them. He wants to re- them to repent of them so he can forgive them. And then they can go beyond their borders and enlarge their stakes and their and their their cords but instead they say i know you're god and everything but what's so bad about us god said i love you and they said well how we don't really see it do you see the sin here if we're going to go beyond the borders listen we're going to have to repent of our sin do you see the apathy leaders we lead the way we take the initiative. I'm coming off of a victory. I'm going to go ahead and tell a story a little bit. I may tell a little bit more tomorrow night. But I've never hosted an eight-day revival. Michael, you've heard the, of Life Action Ministries. We talked about it briefly. I don't know how many of you have ever heard of that ministry out of, out of uh, uh, Michigan. But a bunch of them Yankees came down south last week and rocked our church. We prayed for 21 days around the clock, Pastor. We cried out to God and we asked God to remove, to show up and, and reveal whatever He needed to reveal and remove whatever He needed to remove and restore and revive that congregation. I'm going to tell you, don't you bring them in for eight days. 
if you don't want the Lord to do something. I'm going to tell you, I was so convicted, and God spoke to me, and I had to deal with my sin right in front of that whole church. I had to stand up and publicly confess what the Lord had spoken to me about. By the way, it's amazing how God begins to move when His leaders and the people of God get right with God. And look here, I'm not going to... I'm not going to to assume anything in the lives of our missionaries or our pastors or our people. But why don't we just make up our mind that whether anybody else gets in on this, we're going to get honest with God this week and we're going to deal with our sin. If you think that's a good idea, will you say amen one time? And will you ask God, Lord, reveal to me what I not what He needs, what they need, but what we need in our home and what I need to do and how you need to speak to me, God, so that we can go beyond our borders. Number one, we've got to repent of our sin. But I saw something else. In verse 11, chapter 1, verse 11 and following, we also have to remember His name. Do you know the big picture? You're going to see the missions. Some of you wonder, well, where's missions in that? I don't hear the missions. It's a mission meeting. I, I like to call them mission revivals. Missions conference and revival. Look at this. Verse 11. For from the rising of the sun, Malachi chapter 1, verse 11, under the going down of the same. There's a song about that. My name. Look, you want to, You got your pen. Some of you like to mark your Bible. Some of you don't. If you do, I want you to put a little parenthesis around the times he mentions his name. For from the rising of the sun, even to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In fact, every time we come to my name or some form of it, I know we might have some different translations in the room. We all have different thoughts on that. Look, at every time we get to my name, say it with me. Would you do it? I'm going to start again. Verse 11. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, together, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. What? Where are we going to extend these borders? I'll tell you where. The Gentiles. Look at this. And by the way, aren't you glad tonight that the borders were extended to the Gentiles? We wouldn't be in. We wouldn't be saved. We wouldn't be taking the gospel to Costa Rica or Brazil or church planting in the U.S. If it were not that somebody got in on some of what he's talking about tonight, he said, My name shall be great among the Gentiles, and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name. And a pure offering for my name shall be great among the the heathen. We always thought that meant north of the Mason Dixon. No, I'm, I'm joking with you about that. But look at this. He said among the heathen. That's the pagans. That's those who don't know the name of Jesus Christ. Do you see this? Do you see the missions in this? Saith the Lord of hosts. But you've profaned my name. And in that ye say the table of the Lord is polluted and the fruit thereof, even his meat is contemptible. You say also, behold, listen, this is me sometimes. God help me. How weary is it? Lord, I'm tired of the ministry. I'm tired of the challenges. I'm tired of the conflicts. I'm tired of the hard-headed people. Tired of my own sin. All the weariness it is. And you've snuffed at the table of the Lord, saith the Lord of hosts. And you brought that which was torn, and the lame and the sick. You brought an offering. Should I accept this half-hearted offering, saith the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver, which hath in his flock a male, and voweth, sacrificeth unto the Lord a corrupt thing. Get ready. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. Not only must we repent of our sin, listen to this, but we must remember His name. Did you know what the most important thing that's going on in uh, Benton, Arkansas, 
is if his name could become more famous than Josh Roberts. If You don't really care that nobody knows who Josh Roberts is, do you? You see, I may come into town and say, it's a small town. By the way, in our little town after 35 years, I just celebrated 35 years. I know everybody in that town, I believe. Honestly, 10,000 population in our little town. I've either married somebody or buried somebody in every family. I've made somebody mad or somebody happy along the way at some point. But what's really important is not that they know my name, but that they know His name. If His name becomes more important than your name or the name of your church, boy, then business will begin to pick up among the heathen, among the Gentiles. We want them to know His name. And until we repent and until we remember and take His name beyond the borders, the work of Jesus will not be accomplished. You know what Vance Havner says? Vance Havner said that, that revival is falling in love with Jesus all over again. You know that's why I've come from North Carolina tonight and tomorrow night and Saturday, Friday night to tell you that I want us together. You say, is this possible? Heavens, yes. To leave this meeting loving Jesus more than we've ever loved Him before, loving each other, loving the lost. Boy, it won't be hard to get these missionaries We'll be hunting them down like it. Where can we find some more? We need to find some more church planters. Let me give you one more. It's kind of subtle because i got a last one in the closing, but I'm going to say one more. Are you ready for this? Here's what's got to happen before we go beyond our borders. Before the promise, we must repent of our sin. We must remember His name. And look at chapter 3, verse 7. We saw it. We already read through it. We must return. To sustain a burden for the lost and the gospel being taken to the nations. Chapter 3, verse 7. Even from the sins of your fathers, you're gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Look at this. Return unto me. And listen, here's a promise from God. This is not a promise from the Baptists or from the preachers or the churches. He said, if you will return to me. Here's a promise. I will return to you, saith the Lord of hosts. Boy, there's a, I love that promise. I, I praise the Lord for it. I find, and I'm a revivalist, that's my calling. And, and, it, and in every area, including missions, there's a direct connection to a revival of loving God. And if we'll just love God, then what will flow out of that will be some of the most amazing things. And all. We'll live a life of overflow. If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He that cometh to me, as the Scripture said, out of his belly, his innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. This he spake of the Spirit. Now what, let me close. By the way, I've said this to you before in years gone by, but I'll just remind you. I love stories that have a happy Hallmark ending. I do. I love it. Don't, don't ever recommend to me a book, a periodical, or a movie that has a miserable ending. I'll have issues with you. I'll have to pray to get right with God because honestly, honestly, it makes me mad. I'll never forget the first time I watched 
a movie that someone said, oh, you just got to see this movie. It was Castaway. Yeah, did you hear that sigh? Oh, that's the way I felt. I just knew when he gets captured, they're going to bring him home. There she'll be waiting for him with arms open wide. I've dreamed of this day. And they'll fall into each other's arms and they'll, they're about to be married. You remember this? And then they'll walk off into the sunset to live happily ever after. But that's not what happened, is it? He comes home. I got mad at women in general after I watched that movie. <laughs> just joking, just joking. But honest before God, listen to me. You know, you know and I, I think I told you, I think I was in Virginia or West Virginia one time, and this lady came up, and, and I would preached at the church before, and she said, Pastor Tom, I know why you love happy endings. I said, well, tell me, sister. She said, you do, because we're going to have one. The people of God. This, hey, we're not going to end. You, have you read the last chapter of this? Now, this story has a wonderful ending. If we repent of our sins, if we remember His name, if we return, then we can take the gospel beyond the borders of this church. Your life can count individually beyond the borders of your neighborhood. Missional communities and small groups and influences and, and, and workplace gatherings and prayer meetings and influence one-on-one, as well as in our state and in our region and in, in the U.S. and then abroad. But when all that happens, there'll be some rejoicing. I love this. Look at chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. I'm almost done. Then they that feared the Lord. By the way, this is what I see when you read the word fear the Lord. This is more than just, ah, I'm afraid. Oh no, this is a reverential awe of God. One of the things I got back, I got last week in revival is I got a renewed view of God. I got my astonishment back. I got my awe back and my wonder back at who God is. And this today we're flying in and Terry likes to sit at the at the window and she had the window up and we're above the clouds and we're looking out across all that and, and the, the awe of God gripped my heart one more time. I'm astonished by who He is. And this word kind of carries that idea. Then they that feared the Lord, that fell in love with Him, that were revived by Him, the Lord spake often. The people that feared the Lord spake often one to another. I see missions in that. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And the book of remembrance was written before Him that them that feared the Lord and they that, and that thought upon what? Did you see that? There's His name again. His name must be pretty important. Would you say... And they shall be mine. Don't you listen to this? They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels, did you know what you are? You're the apple of his eye. You're the object of his affection. Bramer used to talk about putting that on the refrigerator. Look here. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. I believe that. But you know what you are to him? You're a jewel to him. You are. You girls are. Hey, every part, remember this church, you may not feel like a jewel sometimes, but you're a precious jewel to God. You're a sapphire, carbuncle. You, you are a precious ruby to God. He said, in that day when I make up my jewels, I'll spare them as a man spareth his own son that served him. And then look at chapter 4, lastly on this rejoicing. Look at verse 2 and 3. 
But unto you that fear my name. There it is again. That's what we're going to do this week. That we're going to get a glimpse of Him. We're going to fall in love with Him again. We're going to be in awe of Him. And then we're going to talk about how to take the gospel to the, to the nations. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness rise with healing in His wings. And look at this statement. And ye shall go forth. Can we say that together? And ye shall go forth. One more time. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall and ye shall tread down the wicked. By the way, did you know you're bulletproof? One time we stayed downtown. I'm closing. San Jose. It was hot. Nice hotel. High rise. I thought it was going to be nice. Get in there. No air conditioning. What are people thinking? Build something like that, not put air conditioning in it. We opened up the windows. I could hear the sirens. I'm scared to death. It was too hot to leave the windows closed. But if we opened up the windows, there's a whole walkway. Some criminal could have come, come in there and took the little money we had and knocked us in the head. But I'm telling you, listen to me. Where, where, where was it going on that part of the story right there? <laughs> here it is, here it is. He said, you'll tread down the wicked. Did you know planes can't crash? My hero told me this years ago. Cars can't wreck. Bullets can't penetrate me. If I'm in the will of God, doing the will of God, I'm not going anywhere until the moment. God, you know why David Platt could go to the Himalayas and, and could uh, trek through Tibet and a bunch of places like that and how you can go where God's called you to go and you can give what God's called you to go? I'll tell you why. Because the wicked can't touch you. You are bulletproof when you are in the center of God's will and you're rejoicing. You're the, you're the jewel of the Son of Righteousness. He's rising with healing in His wings and you can go and the wicked can't do anything about it. For they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. And all God's people said, Amen. Now this is before the promise. If we believe if we believe that God wants us to sit here on our behinds and watch each other get old and sing songs and, and never do anything to propagate the gospel, just keep on doing that. And you'll do what the vast majority of churches are doing all over this country. And I, because of my travels, I have to see it. And it's heartbreaking. Some have created a culture where they believe they're right. We ain't changing nothing. We don't like people that are different than us. Thereby, we're not going... And let me tell you, their influence is getting smaller and smaller. Their worlds are getting smaller. But, it, but if we're going beyond these borders, I'm telling you the answer first, before the promise, is to fall in love with the person that this gospel is all about. What makes it good news is Jesus. I cannot wait. I'm going to share a little story tomorrow night that is beyond my realm. But I can't wait to share it. I hope you'll be back. I hope you'll invite someone else to come. But for goodness sake this week, let's fall in love with Him all over again. And then we'll love each other and we'll love the world. Let's bow our heads together in prayer.